And so while working for these companies that were getting really, really good at selling on Amazon, some of the larger brands would come and say, hey, can you sell our products on Amazon for us? And why don't you sell it to Amazon? And that was before we understood enough. And it was because, well, we can't control what they do with the pricing. We can't control a lot of the aspects about our brand, but we can control you because if you violate any of our policies, we'll cut you off from your core business, which was quite big. So they had a lot more leverage on us as a seller than they would ever have on Amazon. And as Amazon's grown, Amazon dictates really most of the terms and conditions, which they, in a way they should, because they, they built this enormous marketplace for us all to go try and benefit on. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Today I'm talking to Adam Schaffer from uh, OCD, Omnichannel Distribution. So a really cool company that takes care for making your brand work, let's say on Amazon. So Omnichannel Distribution. Adam, welcome to the show. Norbert, thanks for having me. Yeah. Great to meet with you live. And it's great that we're in two different continents having this conversation on this podcast. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's real fun it, always to have those people from the US here in the show when it's closing to the end in Austria and starting in the morning in the US. So it's always fun. But it shows you how e-commerce and especially Amazon brings so much commonality and brings us all together. They make it easy to easier to have an international footprint. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, tell me a bit about yourself. How did you get into e-commerce? Well, it's a long story. I'm an old guy, so I don't know. <laughs> we have time. I, no bore, I don't know if I want to bore everybody, but currently, I am the president of a company called Omnichannel Distribution, and we are a brand accelerator for brands trying to sell and market on e-commerce marketplace platforms. What does that mean? We help them navigate the complex and ever-changing marketplace rules and logistics and marketing. So we're kind of a full service agency, but the magic about what we do above and beyond all the different things that you have to be great in to really win on Amazon is that we buy and sell the products. And so we kind of skin in the game with our brand partners and we're about helping the brand grow. So we're a brand enabler, brand accelerator, but it's working with brands that exist and making it work for them on Amazon. What I understood so is you are purchasing the goods from the brand and you sell it on Amazon in yes. your name or in the name of the brand. Well, it's their products, but it, it could be any number of things. But the back-end transaction would be if they were selling to Amazon and Amazon being the one P, they would get a purchase order from Amazon and they would send and ship the product to Amazon, Amazon would pay them. And Amazon would make money on the margin and any of the other buckets of, of fees that they might have. With us, 
instead of selling it to Amazon, you sell it to us. We work close arm in arm to make sure that we protect the brand, understand the brand, understand the policies and the pricing policies. And we go out and sell the product either on our stores, Mm -hmm. create a three-piece store for the brand, or if they have a three-piece store, we would manage it in their 3P store. So it really doesn't matter. It just matters whether we, it's about having a close relationship and not having lots of other sellers selling the same product. Mm-hmm. Cool. The, you used the word 3P store. We have a worldwide community, so not everyone might know what that means. Maybe you can explain it a bit further. Thanks for asking. So how Amazon is organized, and I'm sure many of the audience do, does understand that you could create a relationship if Amazon wants you to have that relationship. Some brands are too small, but if Amazon buys the product directly from the brand or the manufacturer, that is a 1P or a first-party relationship. Amazon buys it and sells it on the Amazon marketplace. 3P is third-party, and that is a seller that is not Amazon, but sells on the Amazon marketplace. And it looks pretty transparent. like It's an ASIN or a SKU that's on Amazon's marketplace, but the 3P seller has their own store and they are the reseller. It could be a brand selling their products on their own 3P store. It could be a brand's products being sold by other sellers, one, two, or hundreds. When it gets to hundreds, probably not great because you have too much competition, which usually presses the pricing down. So really, it's about brands and how they want to go to market. They can either sell to Amazon if Amazon wants to buy the product from them. And sometimes they don't because the brand might be too small. And so they, Amazon seems to focus much more on the bigger brands. Yeah. Or they could sell by creating their own store or working with partners like us or having their channel just list the products. But whatever the case is, you have to have a strategy because One strategy that's also very good for larger brands would be a hybrid strategy where maybe there are some ASINs or SKUs that go and sold directly to Amazon and some that are sold through your partner, your 3P partner. So, And when you are talking about a 3P store, does the 3P store have their own branding uh, for especially the brand or is it a general brand that you have? So are you selling as OCD or are you selling as the brand? It's so funny. It's hard to imagine unless you look and you can see what it looks like. But really what happened is we have our own stores that we've had for years on Amazon and it's mingled with lots of different brands. And it really doesn't matter because people are looking for products and they'll see a product page and they don't see any of the other stuff. Yeah, that's being, they don't see that. That's the you know, big benefit of, of Amazon, yeah. It's awesome. So you know, if they want to go to our brand page, they might see some stuff. But People aren't coming there for OCD or they're not coming there for any brand name that we have, meaning non-name brand, but our brand. They're looking for products. They're either looking for a type of product. They're looking for something that a product can solve for them, a problem they might have, or there is a particular brand that they are looking for, a particular product they are looking for. But it's rare that they're looking for the retailer. So in the US, we have big retailers like Target, Best Buy. And in Austria, I'm not sure what it would be there, but they're not looking for their retailer. They're looking for products. So it's about representing brands on Amazon. And it doesn't matter if they sell it to Amazon or they sell it to us, as long as we make sure that their content is awesome 
that their brand is maintained. And in the US and many other markets, the manufacturer likes to have a minimum advertised price. Not all, but most. And why do they want this minimum advertised price? Well, because they have another channel beyond Amazon. And what brands have built for years and years is a sales channel. And what they don't want is for their favorite sales company or reseller to come back to them and say, you know, I could buy the stuff cheaper on Amazon than I could buy it from you guys. This is a problem. And that creates channel conflict. So what we do is we're the white knights and we maintain whatever their policies are to make sure that we keep their channel clean and get them That's incremental cool. sales. That's really good and, and important because I've seen that very often in the past already when you purchase something directly and then you look at Amazon or any uh, price comparison page and you get the same product at a lower price somewhere else and you need to purchase it from a specific supplier. So this is really a mad situation and it's good that you look at something like that. But Adam, tell me, what was the impetus behind founding or joining Omnichannel Distribution? Well, I'll tell you, this is a good segue to get back to your original question that I kind of answered kind of what we do today. So I've been in not the e-commerce business, but before it was e-commerce, it was direct marketing. Yeah, You would create a piece of mail, whether it was a letter or a card or a catalog, and you would mail it to target customer base, prospective customers, and people would get their catalog or the mail piece, and they would either fill in the order form if they wanted to buy and mail it in, or they would call you on the phone. And that was a big business. That was the game. And e-commerce is a derivative of that business. Really, it is direct marketing, but direct marketing on steroids. I mean, it's so cool where we would have to print a catalog, which takes time, and then you'd have to mail a catalog. And imagine today, like the pricing changes by the minute, right? Imagine mailing a catalog. The second it's off the press, that pricing is old already. So, but that was the business. So you mail catalogs. We used to mail millions and millions of catalogs. They would call us. Now in comes the internet and the concept of e-commerce. And so we were a big cataloger of computer products. We were the largest Mac reseller in the US. Our company was called Mac Warehouse. I know, very creative name, but it was a very, very large company. It and works. We sold, oh, and we sold, and we sold uh, worldwide. We had offices in Europe and Asia and the US. And it was the place to get your Apple accessories and products. And so it grew to a monstrous number, but we were on the kind of cutting edge. So then e-commerce comes, Microsoft is a partner of ours, we sell their stuff, and they worked with us and helped us create our first e-commerce website. But the problem is that we would put an order in from a customer, and then we'd have to print it and then place it back in our ERP system. So it was even just connecting it. So this cost millions of dollars. And within a year, we had to create a new version of this thing and a new website because it wasn't able to grow with our growth. But the catalogs and the direct mail, instead of people calling on the phone, they just went to the internet to place their own orders. And so that grew and started our e-commerce business. So Dell Computer, probably one of the best in the game, started doing the same at the same time. And we were both at the same time about the largest e-commerce players out there. And if you could think about the money we invested in our e-commerce infrastructure and how you can do it today, I mean, you can, you can get a Shopify site and it's all there. Like to change a payment system, I want to add PayPal. Oh my God, it's like major surgery. 
and you need an IT experts, and it goes on for months. It's there. You log in. What, With what the click like of a button. <laughs> and so With the click I'm, of a button, yeah. I'm yeah, blown but... away and so angry in a way that wasn't available. But what it does do is it opens up this e-commerce universe to anybody. You and I could have our own store. My kids could open their own store if they really wanted to, if they were passionate about something they wanted to market and sell directly. And small businesses can open their own their own stores. But think, about, think about all the brands that have been out there that want to have a closer relationship with their customers. Now all have stores where they could sell direct or at least lead them to someplace that could transact for them. So yeah. the world has changed a lot. But so from that experience, it evolved much more from this direct marketing of catalogs into emails and collecting a database and becoming really good at e-commerce. And so forever, that's what I've done and been at the kind of the cutting edge of all the evolutionary changes in e-commerce. And mm-hmm. I've worked for some of the largest e-commerce companies that Mac Warehouse at the beginning, but there was a company in the U.S. called Tiger Direct. And Tiger Direct was a company that I became president of. They had brick and mortar stores, but they had probably one of the largest e-commerce for technology and electronics products out there. And so it became difficult for Tiger to grow. And why was it struggling? Well, because Amazon was quickly growing and evolving and it became an Amazon world almost overnight. And so from that experience, we actually launched our own store, 3P, on Amazon. So when Amazon opened that ability up for people to participate in their marketplace, we were there. So we were one of the first people or companies on Amazon and then Walmart. And so it's kind of history from there. Wherever I've been, it's been trying to figure out how to maximize the brand's growth that we were managing through our own e-commerce and through the marketplaces. And when you start working with some of the larger brands, and it applies to the smaller brands, but we work with Hewlett Packard and Lenovo and some of the larger brands out there, controlling that channel and making sure they don't create channel conflict is a big deal. But they're not about to create their own 3P store. They're just not built for that. That's not their thing. They're channel friendly. They don't want to be in that in that marketplace business with their own store. Plus, shipping ones and twos is not their thing. Mm. And selling to Amazon is a potential. But when they sell to Amazon, it doesn't always protect their brand. And so while working for these companies that were getting really, really good at selling on Amazon, some of the larger brands would come and say, hey, can you sell our products on Amazon for us? And why don't you sell it to Amazon? And that was before we understood enough. And it was because, well, we can't control what they do with the pricing. We can't control a lot of the aspects about our brand, but we can control you because if you violate any of our policies, we'll cut you off from your core business, which was quite big. So they had a lot more leverage on us as a seller than they would ever have on Amazon. And as Amazon's grown, Amazon dictates really most of the the terms and conditions, which they, in a way they should, because they, they built this enormous marketplace for us all to go try and benefit on. Yeah, and the concept is really very interesting. But why should a brand even uh, sell online on marketplaces? Not talking just about Amazon, there are a lot of different marketplaces. What what reasons do you have for brands to start selling online? Well, I mean, think about what I was I mean, saying happened to Tiger. I mean, we had a robust, fast growing direct e-commerce business. And Amazon starts to eat away at the share. And you kind of 
have this philosophy. You want to be where the customers are. And if the customers are not necessarily going to be going to buy direct from you, then where are they going? So you got to kind of understand what's in the customer's head, what's easiest for the customer. And, and as it became easier for customers to buy from Amazon, it's not that you can't grow and develop your own direct business, but the world is evolving and changing. And that's where the action is. That's where the visitors are. And with the advertising costs always going up, the cost to acquire a new customer on your own is expensive. So you got to weigh it between the traffic is there at Amazon and what's my cost all in to acquire there and what is it on my own and how fast do I want to grow? And also, do I have competitors there that are trying to steal my share also? So you got to put all this into the equation. But Amazon is huge. It's growing. The customers are there. And as long as you could protect your brand and control the channel, you should do incredibly well. Mm -hmm. As long as you understand how to market on their platform. What is uh, the typical resellers that those big brands typically have? What, what are they saying if the brand is yeah starting online their own channel? Okay, so I just want to make sure I understand that, Norbert. So, like, what does the brand say if the brand itself is safe? Not that they start selling online on their own channel, but the for uh, you mentioned uh, HP, for instance, you mentioned them. So they have resellers already. They have computer stores. They have outlets elsewhere. A lot of people are selling their goods, and now they open up their own channel on Amazon. Yeah, what is no, okay, I, from market. I, yeah? I think I think the very large brands that rely on the resellers, the channel, the VARs, the value-add service providers, they don't want to disrupt that channel. So yeah. either they'll sell it to Amazon as like another big wholesaler, or they'll find somebody like us to work with. Because again, it's not their thing. And also, like, I'm pretty confident that the, the channel partners, the other resellers will be angry at them for selling direct. Yeah, And, yeah. and there's plenty that do it. And it's okay. It's okay to do it. But you really, if you're really focused on growing your business through your network, you really don't want to be seen as the brand that's trying to do it themselves. It, it puts fear into that reseller channel. Yeah, absolutely. It does. On your website, you say, we make Amazon work for your brand. What does that mean? Can you break that down for me? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy in the sense of Amazon works. It really does. But if you don't know how to navigate, if you don't have the bandwidth, if you don't have the skill set in-house, it's hard to make it work. But it definitely works if you could do all the things right. And as there's more and more competition participating on Amazon and the other marketplaces, you got to be great at everything. It used to be when I was at Tiger, we could put a product up and have an image, horrible copy, it would sell. Not anymore. You got to have great copy. You have to have great SEO copy. You have to understand keywords. You have to understand the market and the competition. You got to look at the images and the pictures. And when you think about and you hear about other brands and how they really toil away at what the images should look like and the story they need to tell, if that's not in your soul to be able to do, you need help to do that. And so you got to be great at everything. So there's the marketing, then there's the case management, When products get lost or customer has a complaint and the customer service and the metrics, and then there's the logistics of the only way you sell it is being in stock. You want to ship it prime. So you really want your products to be up at FBA, but there's a time lag between getting a product 
here in the U.S. from wherever it's being manufactured and to the Amazon warehouses, their logistics centers. And that, depending on what's going on in the world at that moment, whether it's a spike in COVID or some other logistics snafu out there, it could take a long time. So you got to be able to be really good at forecasting, planning, and the logistics of getting products to Amazon. If you go out of stock, you can't sell anything. Yeah, And it potentially does really hurt your rankings that you've worked very hard and invested in getting. So trick is don't be out of stock. We, all, we <laughs> yeah, also, and it, it's different in Europe because the countries, you could usually ship in one or two days with normal freight, but in the US, it could take days for a product to get from one coast to the other. And being prime is so, so important. So you really do want to ship your products from Amazon. Customers like when Amazon shipping the products, but from their facility, but we have a special medallion and only a small group of the three Ps have it. And it's called Seller Fulfilled Prime. Seller Fulfilled Prime gives us the ability to take a product the second it comes into our warehouse in the US, listed on Amazon with the Prime medallion. And so Amazon's not shipping it. We are, but we are still Prime. So that is a huge advantage. Think about if it takes four or five weeks or three weeks to get a product to Amazon and you're somehow running out of stock, product is running, and you're going to sell out. If it's at our facility, we could keep you in stock at Prime while we ship product up to Amazon. So it's a great way to not gap out on your products and maintain your Prime status. Yeah. And I think that is very important. You mentioned it. Being Prime is an absolute super killer feature at the moment, especially for products that you get elsewhere. Because the filter is there on Amazon and a lot of people using it to just select the prime filter and just look for such products, which is, of course, a very important fact to have that. But I think this is also some kind of a strategy. And I would like to talk to you about strategies on, on Amazon. Are there any different kind of methods or strategies for selling on Amazon or is it always the same way? Oh my God, it's evolving by the second, like as we're talking. And There's stuff that they might, Amazon might be piloting that you might not know about yet because unless you're connected to the community and you're really close to them. And when I say close to them, you're focused on all the information that's out there. You're reading everything you possibly can read. And there is a ton of stuff to read and to understand. It evolves all the time. Their rules, but also the marketing, their advertising is evolving. That's become a humongous business for them. And they keep on coming out with new methods for you to be able to market and advertise your products. Video is so important. So if you were just doing the same old thing where I'm doing a sponsored product advertisement, but you're not doing a sponsored product with video, you're missing something and your competitors are going to get you there. And they're going to start leapfrogging you. There's ways to do branding with the video that's super important. But there's also things like editorial that you want written about your products that get listed on the Amazon search results page. So it's the top 10 networking products or the top 10 pots and pans for holiday. And those are affiliate links through these articles that increase your conversion rate. But if you don't know how to make that happen, it's not super easy but it's definitely doable. You're missing out and your competitors will beat you there. Now what's happening is not only you have to be great on Amazon, but Amazon wants you and will reward you for bringing traffic from outside onto Amazon. So they'll give you a discount if you advertise on Google and bring that traffic to your product on Amazon. Two big benefits for them is that 
they get more traffic and they got to keep on growing. This is an enormous beast. It's like trying to move a planet and yet somehow they keep on growing, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so if it's just on my own platform and they do a tremendous amount of their own advertising off Amazon, but now they get all their sellers to advertise off Amazon and bring it in, that helps with their traffic and growth. But where do people usually go? You know, brands, when they advertise on Google, historically don't go to Amazon. They go to their own Shopify or yeah. their own site. So it's kind of a way to stop that from happening and slow down the growth of the Shopify. And people say, well, I want to send it to my own. I get to keep the customer and I don't have to pay the fees. And so they're giving you the discount now. So it's cheaper to put it to Amazon. So it's a brilliant idea. And I think it's going to help them. And we're all racing to do more of that. So going back to, do you just sit there? No, no, no. You got to figure out what's working. You got to be testing new stuff all the time. There's things like social media, social influencers, that if you're not involved with that, especially when you're launching a product, it's going to be harder and harder to get reviews and get a product to grow. Mm. So, and again, another reason why small, medium, and larger brands, I don't care if you're a private label brand or you're a well-known brand, you got to be great at that. And you got to, you can't just mess around, but you'll spend a lot of money when you can have somebody that does it every single day helping you do that. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I think, very, very interesting. I have a question. I think two or three years ago, I read a number about 60% of all people start the product search on Amazon instead of Google, because you mentioned Google before. Is this still the case? Or oh, it's, even growing, it's growing. It's, it's growing. But it, it, I think the stat is more like people that are searching to buy. Yeah. So where I think if they're searching to like look a, a fact up or information up, then I have a headache. You know, why do I have a headache today? That's Google. But if they're looking for where can I buy something or I want to buy something, they go to, and I go to Amazon first. Yeah, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I know yeah. that everyone is going to Amazon first. <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. yeah. But, no, but no, yeah, but it's, mean, the it's case. It's his case. I mean, in here, we have the situation that we get more and more people, but a lot of people that do not like Amazon at all anymore. And they don't go to Amazon because of the behavior of Amazon and the might they have. So do you see that as well in the US or is this just a I, local I, thing? I, I think people have an affinity with the brands that they like to buy. Yeah, And so there's something to be said for people like to sometimes buy direct and have a direct relationship with the brand or being in a store after being locked up forever with COVID. People like to go buy things yeah. in stores. But I think on the customer side, and maybe it's a little different there, I think people trust Amazon. They trust that they'll take care of them. They trust that if something goes wrong, they're not going to get Stung, like even when you buy from another direct to consumer site, the experience when something goes bad might not be that simple to fix. And with Amazon, it's literally no questions asked. The customer is always right. And Amazon goes out of their way to make the customer experience great. So I think as a customer, buying from Amazon is awesome because I'm never worried about anything. And if it didn't show up, that is odd. Like it's, it's a very rare thing. It does happen. Depending on the neighborhoods you're living in, there's Amazon trucks everywhere. Like it's like they're up and down the street. Like it's the same guy every single day hustling to your house to drop it off. And so I think that customers win with Amazon, and and the harder work is being a vendor to Amazon because Amazon is so keenly focused on the customer experience. So everything is up for grabs 
if you're servicing Amazon as a service provider, they have metrics on you and they are you know, working you. But it, the reason really is, is to give the customer the best possible experience and hopefully to drive their cost down. I mean, I can't ship products paying, no matter how good I think my rate is with UPS or FedEx or any of those companies, as cheap as Amazon, the rates are so incredibly low. I still hate freight, but you know I hate freight prices, but they do it cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. They send so many goods around the world. Of course, the price needs to be insanely deep. <laughs> you have all these private label companies. you know. So when yeah. you look at Amazon, and we were talking about 1P versus 3P, what I think what people don't realize is that the major majority of the gross merchandise value that gets sold through Amazon, which is $600 plus billion, 65% of that is 3Ps or third parties. So that's where Amazon makes money on it, but they're not recognizing the revenue. So you won't see it in their revenue number, but they're getting paid the commission and the mm. money they make on the freight and all the other fees associated with it. So that's there's about 2.3 or 2.5, like it changes by the minute, and it could even be more. But I think actively there's 2 million plus 3Ps on Amazon. Oh, and wow. And so that's huge. Now, of course, there's the tip of the spear, the 1% where a lot of the action really happens. But what it does is it creates this incredible place, a marketplace for entrepreneurs and creative folks that want to go into business without the big overhead. They just have to have the dream and the understanding of how to maybe build that product. And they're on Amazon and there's a big marketplace of customers that are potentially going to buy if they could figure out how to do the other marketing. And I think like for you and I, X years ago, there's a lot of overhead to starting a business. Now I could spin something up on Amazon tomorrow if I had the idea and I and I could put a product. And the product, of course. <laughs> yeah, which is difficult because you, just being a me too, isn't it? Yeah. But you see a lot of the offshore companies doing a great job and definitely getting some more rules put on them with regard to the way reviews in general work. But think of a brand that you grew up with that's on Amazon and not Apple computer or something like that, but like, I don't know, like what's the general category, like coolers and ice chest kind of thing that you put ice in and you put your beers in. Like Coleman in the US was a big brand forever and ever. And it still is a big brand, but it could be an offshore brand with a name you've never heard of ever in your life. You've never seen it in a retail store, but it looks kind of close to that Coleman that you're going to go buy and say the Coleman cooler is $99.99 and the unknown brand is $89.99 or $79.99. And the unknown brand has five stars of reviews, 3,000 reviews, and the Coleman has three and a half stars and a couple of hundred. There's a really good chance that nobody's going to care about buying the Coleman unless they were dead set on buying the Coleman and they're <laughs> going to buy that. They're going to buy that other brand. So if you can do it right, if you can make it happen, you could beat the bigger brands, which is why the bigger brands and smaller brands need to know how to play the game and know how to know how to market and advertise on Amazon. And these offshore brands really have figured it out to get that traffic. And you'll see, if you go to the top ranked products, the BSR, for all the different categories, unless it's something that's really specific, like computers, it's, yeah, we all know those brand names. But when you go to most categories, a bunch of the products in the first 25 are going to be products I never heard of. It's uh, amazing. Many times it's products, but it's brands, you know, but so many times the first few 
bestsellers or brands that are only on Amazon, born on Amazon. Yeah, it's really a very interesting situation that we see here. And uh, yeah, even I see that when, when I look at Amazon products and I often purchase products, but I never heard of the brand and mostly they are good. And if a product is not good and this makes right. Amazon so outstanding is you can send it back and there is no problem with sending it back. There is no one complaining about that. And if there is really something happening, you reach out to their support and they help you. And this is what makes the Amazon experience so amazing. That's it. And that's why we are really invested in Amazon and Walmart. And we do some more niche marketplaces, but also we help brands expand into other countries. In North America, Amazon makes it easy. So we have Canada and Mexico and the US. And yeah. by being a reliable supplier in the US, Amazon lets us also leverage their help to be in Canada and Mexico. And so we've been doing that. And then also to get into Europe and Asia, they do help you to figure out with professionals on the VAT side and some of the things that may be more complicated. So being able to expand internationally now is much easier on their platform than trying to go build it out yourself. Yeah, cool. I think we should reach out to Amazon after the show and ask them for a sponsorship. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they'll just take it. They're so big. They'll do it. I enjoy just it. Kidding. I'm passionate about it. And I'm so amazed at how the world has evolved and now it's evolving quicker. And the big message is there's so much opportunity, but you really do need help if you want to be number one. And there's plenty of companies out there. Of course, yep. we're the best and we'd love to help. But we just think that look at the landscape, look at the competitors, look at what they're doing and figure out how to find that, that area where you can really make a difference and, and have a differentiator. And then tell your brand and your product story really well with images and video. You know, that's it. Adam, last question for the day. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Okay, that's really easy. My mentor, yeah. who I started with 35 years ago, his name is Peter Godfrey. And he is the guy that got me going and taught me everything, not just really about e-commerce, about business, about direct marketing, marketing in general, and you know, a lifelong friend. So I still talk to him every day. And I'm thank, thankful that I have him as a friend. It was a great experience growing up with him. Cool. Thank you very much, Adam. Thanks. It was really a pleasure talking to you. And yeah. Yeah, Norbert, said, I'm going to come visit you when I come out to Poland. I'm going yeah. to jump, uh, jump off to Austria. Jump off to Austria would be really yeah. great. And yeah, if you want to start selling on Amazon, let's do it. I think it's really important. As you heard today, selling on Amazon is really not that hard. But of course, you need to have everything uh, in shape. You need to have good product descriptions. You need to have videos. Imagery should be fine. You need to protect your brand. It doesn't matter what it is, but there is a huge opportunity that you can sell your goods pretty fast, even if you have a no-name brand at the moment. So selling on Amazon really is a good idea. And in general, selling on marketplaces does really help. So thank you again, Adam. Have a thank great time. Thank you very much. And yep. don't Let's forget to touch. hit the subscribe button to our EcomOps podcast out there. Awesome. Have yeah. a great afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.